Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Deathstoreprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dead Man. Joe, today we have Caveman. Aloha. And for the first time, new addition to the Deathstore Prods, I guess, family of jackasses, we got Cap. Hello. Yeah, Cap is uh, from the D&D game that Caveman and I may have very subtly mentioned at certain points throughout the time that we've been doing it. I'm a bird person. Yes, you are. Oh, God, I'm the only normal character on the field. Yeah, pretty much. You're surrounded by like two freak shows. I'm surrounded by three freak shows. Don't forget Mr. Plague Doctor. Hey, he's a human. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but could you really tell? Yeah, he, t- he, he has his mask off a lot of the time. Wait, does he really? I thought he kind of spoke through it all the time. No. I just imagined a muffled voice is going like... This isn't movies and TV. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that we'll for the other show later. coming down the line. But anyway. The, t- the TV movie of our D&D session coming out soon. Directed by Joss Whedon. Oh, that would be so awesome. And with that, we do have something kind of heavy to get into at the top of the show. And it's news. So... Kind of think of the way the best way to get into this because we have some opinions on the man involved in this story, but those don't really matter right now because really bad things are happening. A man lost his daughter and that has forced him to step away from a project that he had worked on for a very long time. Yes. So while we are not happy with the fact that he worked on the project, our hearts and minds go out to him and his because we are not such monsters as to share joy over the fact that he was forced to leave. Yeah, yes. personal biases aside, I heart goes out to you, man. I really I, I understand what loss of family can do to you, and it's rough. Uh, sending well wishes towards it. I hope that things can work out soon. Things can return to any semblance of normalcy that you can have after something like that happens. Yes, so for those who don't know, Zack Snyder, uh, the director of the upcoming Justice League movie, has decided to step down from the project along with his wife, producer Deborah Snyder, in order for them to deal with the loss of their daughter, Autumn Snyder. Uh, Back in March, Autumn committed suicide, and it was kept under wraps so that the family could try to deal with it as best they could. Snyder tried to get back into work, tried to get back into doing the Justice League movie, but he just couldn't. It was a bit too much for him at the time, so he has decided to step down along with his wife to spend time together as well as with their other children to try to just deal with this as best as they can. To finish up the movie, uh, Warner Brothers has brought in Joss Whedon, who will be bringing the movie along through the editing process as well as shooting some additional scenes. I believe it is all based off of a you know Snyder outline of what he wanted the movie to be. So yeah, we just kind of wanted to do this up front so that it so that it wouldn't just be hey here's the show as regular and then this horrible thing and the show is regular. Yeah, our deepest condolences go out to the Snyder family and 
Yeah. Shit's rough. Yeah, yeah, it is. Man, we started on a dour note. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the fucking family, dude. It's about to say this is how uh, this is how I might make my appearance here. Hey, everybody, it's new guy. Also, um, a horrible turn of events here. Now I'll be forever associated with this. Nah, you'll be forever associated with bad humor and fart jokes. Pretty much. <laughs> You're on death door prods. Right at home. We're home, Joey. So yes. That happened. Now let us move on from this, please. It's about to say on a more positive note, what do we got next? Show me the show show me the ropes. Guide guide my hips. Okay then. Uh let's do that guiding then with Twin Peaks. Oh. Cause that came back. Is, I just finished rewatching the original. Is the new one any good? It's more David Lynch than even the original series. Which is kind of saying something. So what what, what does that mean to you? It is kind of really awkward at times. A lot of long shots, a lot of really weird character interactions and dialogue. And it all is shot kind of weird. Not weird in like, you know, the way that he, not weird in like the way that like the camera moves or whatever, or in editing, it is just the way he moves the camera, the way the camera like looks, the way the film looks. You find that it pulls you out of the story or do you feel like it enhances the storytelling at all? For this specifically? Yeah. The story is mostly what kind of drags me out of the story. Really? Largely because I'm not entirely sure what's happening or why I'm supposed to care. Because in the first episode, so Stars is, I believe it's Stars or Showtime. One of them is doing this. And it, and they released the first couple episodes. Um, so far, I've made it through the first episode, which they, they heard the first two episodes as like a two-parter kind of movie event full, full length thing. I only watched the first episode of that, and so far in that first episode, they've gone to Twin Peaks twice. Now, as what? a sort of outsider to the series, Twin Peaks itself, going to Twin Peaks, the way you phrase that, is that a location? Is it more of an abstract thing? Twin what Peaks is a city. To go to Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is a no- Twin Peaks is a Pacific Northwest town where the series Twin Peaks takes place. So why do you feel that it's significant that they go there not just once, but twice within the first two, uh, I guess not pilot, but just reboot uh, special season three. Like a, yeah. Cause th- I mean, this is a hu- Twin Peaks. It's a huge history behind it. It's a cult classic. And the fact that it's getting a reboot is huge to a lot of people because it was kind of, taken before it's time and just as um a partial outsider to myself as uh, as myself um i'm curious as the the significance of them going there uh holds to you is that is that a good thing that they've been there so much in the first 
two episodes. No, it, they, they haven't been there too bad. much. They they've ha- they've only had a couple of scenes there. It was like, hey, fucking some bl- some dudes look at Sheriff Truman and Lucy asks, hey, which one? Neither of them are here, but which one do you want? So I can tell you why they're not here. And then it is Log Lady calling Hawk saying, hey, fucking something's missing. Has to do with Coop. Solve it with your heritage, dog. So do you feel like there's kind of just a lack of focus going on right now? It's like, well, where is As of right now, setting? yes. I am not sure where this is all going. Like, like Twin Peaks is, for those who don't know, Twin Peaks was a series that aired a few years back, like a couple decades back, I think in like the 90s, where it was a David Lynch and Mark Frost production where it was about a small town dealing with the death of the homecoming queen as well as the increasingly supernatural happenings around the town. The town was really weird and kind of insane. I believe it um, was the, um, what's the word? I, I, I believe that um, X-Files is the brainchild, essentially, the spinoff of what the kind of the groundwork that Twin Peaks kind of laid when it was, uh, I believe it was canceled, I'm not really sure. But I believe it wasn't wasn't uh, the X Files with Scully and Mulder and all that. No, uh, kind of spawned from Twin Peaks. Not really. Like uh, David Duchovny was in Twin Peaks as a transvestite, but I think that's about <laughs> it. Really, I thought those two had more of a shared relationship than I thought. I was led to believe that they had more of a share, uh, shared relationship. I don't really think so, having watched both now. Yeah, they're both very different. X-Files. Like, yeah, like X-Files have... is about... X-Files is very much more overt. Yeah, they're also more focused on, like, answers. Twin Peaks is always vague, and well, maybe it's supernatural. Maybe they're just fucking crazy. Who knows, man? Getting... Whereas X-Files, like, no. There is a slug creature that is crawling through the sewers and raping dogs. Yeah, like fucking Twin Peaks is like, hey, this there's this lady walking around the log. Is that a log or is it a spirit from the Black Lodge where the fucking spirits live? And there's the man from another place and all the fucking doppelgangers and Bob and Mike. Maybe it was Stranger Things I'm thinking of that people related the show to. Not No, again, no, like Stranger Things is very straightforward. I've yet to see Stranger Things, so, and but I've heard nothing but positivity about it. So Yeah, Stranger Things is like a straight-up monster movie. Twin Peaks is a surrealist mystery. It's just fact. I had to stop watching Stranger Things because everybody said, it's you if you were in a TV show. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not this nerdy. I'm nerdy, but come on. Birdie actually came up to me and asked me if I knew what the demon was. And I had to Google it. The demon. Yeah, the Demogorgon. I don't even. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, I actually have been seriously considering buying a D and D campaign book because it has stats with Demogorgon in it. Do it. Go for it. Yeah, out of the abyss for anybody wondering. So, from what you've heard, um, Cave, what what's your opinion? Because you just said that you. Um, did a little bit of a refresher on uh, Twin Peaks, and you've yet to watch it. So, from what you've heard from Dead, what do you what do you think? Feels like how I felt on my first watch through of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Confused, not sure where everything's going. I, I don't like slow shows. 
Oh, well, this is slow not burn incredibly can slow. Be good. This is incredibly slow. slow. Yeah, I slow burn can a... be good for t- story selling. Sometimes it can really turn people off. It's very, very niche. I am for a modern. I am a very modern audience member. The only t- place I will accept slow slow burn storytelling is in a book, and that's the only place I'll accept it because I go at my pace with a book. In a TV show, it's why I can't watch Broadchurch. I can't I can't stand to watch Broadchurch because it's 16 or something episodes to solve one murder. Yeah, I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. At least Twin Peaks got all the other crazy ass mystery going on around. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the thing with Twin Peaks. Like in Twin Peaks um until like before the second season aired, I don't think Frost and Lynch had any intention of revealing who the killer was. I think it all just kind of boils down to uh, is your hook enough? Because first two episodes of a show like that are crucial for who you're going to grab and who you're not. Yeah, and that initial Twin Peaks thing was fucking fantastic at that. Like, like the way the like the way um the like the first the opening bit of Twin Peaks worked is an old man um like character who we see throughout the series. Decides to go out fishing one day. He's hanging out. He's hanging at home talking to his wife. His wife's kind of a bitch. So he goes out, and then as he gets down to his like his fishing spot, he sees somebody wrapped. He sees something wrapped up in plastic sheets. Doesn't somebody? Yeah. It then cuts over to this young girl's family, who's like trying to you know call. Is like calling out to her like, hey, fucking come on, come on, girl, we gotta get it, we gotta get going. And then she starts getting like increasingly more freaked out. When she can't find her, and nobody that she know, nobody that she thinks to call, knows where she is. Need to layer in some stock horror movie sounds while you recount the tale for us. And then we cut over to that girl's father, who is working at a hotel as a as a he's a lawyer. Basically, he's there. To, he's there to try to like work a deal with some German investors for his boss, who runs the place. And then cut over to the sheriff's apartment, where it's like, "Hey, fucking good old days happening." And then the sheriff gets a phone call. And it's just the, and it's the old man is like, she's dead, Bill, wrapped in Orchestra plastic. Hit. And then we fucking get the dead body, and it is just immediately, the rest of the episode is just everybody reacting to it. And it shows how much this fucking death had an impact on the world, specifically this world of Twin Peaks. And then we bring in Special Agent Dale Cooper, somebody from the outside who is just as fucking weird as everybody else in this fucking universe. Kind of a... Uh, director's way of saying fight fire with fire, really kind of uh, someone who understands the perspective of the world he's getting into. Yeah. Like, um, you know what? You want to get the feel of twin peaks, but actually uh, a bit faster and a bit more fun. Watch someone. Let's play deadly premonition. Kind of actually. Yeah. Like deadly premonition is like Japanese twin peaks. It's it's very much it's got that it's got very heavily got that got the feel of Twin Peaks, um, just a bit more overt about it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want Twin Peaks at a quicker pace, go for Deadly Premonition. It'll, That's with the Raincoat Killer, right? Yes. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many um, <laughs> like mid '90s survival horrors, and there's like, oh shit, which killer was that one? Because, like, Silent Hill and, um... Actually, for the longest time, I thought Deadly Premonition was a Silent Hill spinoff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, you see it too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. It yeah. is... Yeah. But it, it is it is very heavily from Twin Peaks. Like, it is 
It is the death of a young girl in a, in a Pacific Northwestern town. Brings in an FBI agent who's a bit weird. A bit? <laughs> I've yeah. always enjoyed slow burn thrillers. I feel like the, uh, if they're well directed, and more often than not they are, they really they can really hold my attention. Then you Twin might... Peaks is almost definitely for you. Yeah, the original Twin Peaks especially. This one, it might be a bit too slow. Because like I said... Like the actual facts, like mystery of what's happening. I'm still not entirely sure what that is because there are like fucking four different plot threads going through and only two of them have to deal with the actual show, like the actual town of Twin Peaks. Uh, so, do you think it's going to pay off? Do you think I have no fucking it, idea. I have no, it up? I have no idea where this is fucking going. That could be an exciting thing for some people. So. This is spoilers for the ending of Twin Peaks OG, but at the end of that Twin Peaks, it was revealed that Coop was possessed by Bob, the evil spirit who killed Laura Palmer. That is um, that is a lackluster name. Yeah. Then, then going into Twin Peaks, the new one, we see Cooper, who we see Dale Cooper, who in that who in this time has been going around the country doing just fucking whatever, wearing fucking snakeskin pattern dress shirts with a fucking mullet and completely black eyes. Sounds like a weird mix of that one movie from like 2011, Legion and Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Oh, which I would love Legion. to see. Yeah, in the... Legion. Yeah, what a good, Legion. bad movie. In the first half of that... It there, was awesome. In the first half of like that, in that the premiere episode, there was no real indication about what this was. I actually had to do some reading, and it, this is an evil version of Coop from the Black Lodge, because actual Coop is still in the Black Lodge, and he's been there for 25 years. Oh, that's something I never asked, actually. Is there a shared continuity between this new season and then the original 90s uh, airing? In the, original Twin, in the original Twin Peaks, the doppelganger of Laura, Laura Palmer says, I'll see you again in 25 years. This takes place 25 years after that. Okay, so they do have a shared continuity. So, like, like I said, this is season three. It's kind of, is it kind of, do you feel like it's kind of less than open for some people who haven't watched the original series? They're going to be lost? Absolutely. Mm, that'll, that'll be, that'll be good and bad. Original, uh, diehard fans will definitely love that, but people just going in might not feel the the desire to be that dedicated and be like, ah, oh, seriously, I got to go back and watch two seasons of the show from nearly 30 years ago. Oh, no, like, actually, it. here's the thing. Like, if, if you are like a fucking diehard, like, yeah, I watched Twin Peaks. I fucking know everything. Then some of it will be like, oh, yeah, so I actually need this to understand. Other stuff, it will feel just as awkward and weird, like with the like new stuff that you don't need to watch original Twin Peaks to understand as the as the like the old stuff. So. There's a scene kind of early on in the episode where a truck pulls up to a fucking fairly decked out trailer and then some guy walks out. Is Dr. Jacoby, uh, Laura Palmer's therapist and possible fucker of Laura Palmer. I'm not entirely sure cuz I it's been a while since I've watched original Twin Peaks. But he fucking walks out and then the way that it and the way that it's shot, it is like using almost somewhat realistic sound for where the camera is positioned. Because I can barely understand a fucking word these people are saying because they're so far away from the camera, and they're also oh, so being using the RL. And they're I also, love it when movies and shows actually like show how the sound would be, but oh, like they're actually also, using source audio. But they are also being source audio. But they are also being overshadowed by the sound of a guy pulling a bunch of shovels out of packing peanuts because that is really loud. This is a David Lynch ass thing to do of just weird sound mixing. 
I was about to say that sounds very purposeful. So you feel like there's a layer of accessibility then for new viewers? As accessible as Twin Peaks can be, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so that, so that happens in Twin Peaks. And then the other thing that happens in uh, Twin Peaks proper, a uh, couple things. Uh, one of them is uh, Ben, the guy who owns the Great Bend Northern. Over? No, not Ben Dover. Uh, <laughs> I'm he, sorry, I couldn't not. But Ben does have a brother named Jerry. Man, these are some these are some milk toast ass names. Yeah, so Ben and Jerry, um, in the original series, they kind of ran the oh, Great Northern. Oh God, that just hit me! You fucking dumbass! And oh. the award for the slowest catching on to a joke is. Oh. Yeah. It was literally only then. It was like, and then Ben and Jerry, and I was like, oh my fucking. Seriously, I even booed it. I booed the joke. I thought you were booing just the really bland names. I was like, yeah, that is bad. So the two of them in the original series, they ran the Great Northern as well as one eyed as well as they were um regular patrons of one eyed Jacks, a a um casino and brothel where they regularly fucked underage girls. Oh. Including potentially including the time where Ben accidentally tried to have sex with his own daughter. Oh, also, I should let, also Cap, you. I should let you know that it was revealed in season two that the one who killed Laura Palmer was her dad, possessed by Bob, who had previously had sex with her. This sounds very Lynchian. Yeah, so... From, like, what I have seen of David Lynch's work, this, yeah. No, yeah, so, that's, the, that's so the two right of them... Yeah, that's right up his alley. Yeah, so Ben and Jerry were running this place. They were kind of really shady and all this other shit. Get into this one. Ben seems to be on the up and up, while Jerry has gotten to the legal weed farming business. That's actually so a really tough business in? to be in. So much government oversight, such high taxes. It's actually really tough to be in the legal weed weed business. Oh, yeah, he walk he walks in with like some fucking weed bread covered in weed margarine. That sounds fantastic, <laughs> actually. A little bitter, but that sounds good. <laughs> I have a few friends who would love that. And then the other bit happening in Twin Peaks is um is at the sheriff's department where the log lady calls Ch- uh, deputy chief Hawk and says, Hey, something's missing. Deal with Cooper. Fucking use your heritage. And we also get to see, Hey, Lucy and Andy got together full on married. They have a kid now who's 24 and never calls home. So where does it all start to tie in? Kind of come together. Like it when does the not threads kind of, really, it, Not what I've seen it so hasn't far yet for him. He's yeah. only one episode in. Yeah. He's probably gonna have to get halfway through the season before it starts to tie itself together. Meanwhile, in New York, there's a guy sitting in a room swapping out SD cards on cameras that are watching a glass box. Of the contents of which are nothing shown to us or not shown to us. Oh, just shown to us to be nothing. It is, it is an empty ass bl- it is an empty ass glass box. But then his girlfriend comes along, and one night she comes while the security guard's in there, so he's like, hey, come on in, let, watch me do my job. They start fucking, the glass box then turns entirely black, where a fucked up, edited, faceless man then breaks out of the glass box and gores them while they're fucking each other. Hmm. We hey, he then, just wanted to get a piece. Yeah. We then cut over to an entirely different city, where a lady is like bringing her dog back in, and she... And the dog smells something at this fucking room. 
she goes over and spells like, oh, God, that's terrible. So she calls the cops. And the cops get a lovely little fucking jerk around where they need to get in. It's like, oh, we don't have. It's like, hey, do you, you know where you get a key to this apartment? It's like, well, you got to either call the building manager, but he's not in right now. He leaves it with his brother. I don't know the brother's number, though. You can talk to the guy outside. Goes talk to the guy outside. And the guy outside is like, what the fuck you want, cops? Some painful bureaucratic red tape in the form of no, not low bureau- end no, customer not, service. Not bureaucratic red tape. Just this lady jerking them around because she had a key on her wrist the entire time. Yeah, in the form of low-end customer service. So they, so they go into the apartment and they find the lady who's dead with half her face rotted the fuck off. They pull the bedsheet back and see, oh, this dead body is actually two different dead bodies because the head is hers, but the body is some other fat guy with no head. Oh, God. Pull the old corpse switcheroo on us. A classic. Yep, they run the prince and it's like, hey... The principal of the local high school's fingerprints all over this fucking apartment. And the principal of the local high school is played by Matthew Lillard. Who is then immediately arrested. uh, Put in a cell where his wife comes in and is like, hey, you fucking asshole. I know you've been fucking her. And he says, well, I know you've been fucking like three other people. So are the actual identities of the bodies themselves important at all? Or is it just a plot device? I don't know. Because, again, I mean, we don't have a lot to go off of because, well... I don't know how this ties into anything. only done, like, I don't know, like, 14 things. But from what I do know, this may or may not also just be another uh, Lynchian thing going on. Yeah, and the, the entire time this is happening, it is all the fucking weird Lynchian awkward dialogue that you expect it is just a lot, a lot of really long pauses, a lot of things that human beings don't say. Like I'm not like, I will fully admit I am not what you would call an expert on human interaction, but even I know this isn't how you do it. <sighs> Still that's, I find that interesting. I find it interesting just because all of this stuff, like, most, if not all of his stuff, um, you can see how he's driving his, or what, what's driving him really. Let me, let me start over. All of his stuff, really, you can see what inspiration he's drawing his, his uh, actual direction from. He, like, he loves people like Stanley Kubrick or Herzog. And he loves that sort of like dreamlike state you feel like the whole time where it's like, I understand the setting and all this, but none of this feels real. Like, like what you said, the people don't feel real. They don't yeah, talk. The, peop- the like people, people don't feel real. And like the way the cinematography also make, gives this really weird feeling throughout where the entire time, just like something doesn't feel right in this. And I don't know yeah. what it is. Cause that's his, cause that's one of the things that, Oh no, that Lynch is Lynch is fucking straight masterful up masterful at as the art of, unnerving someone the art of anxiety of creating just this sort of just anxious feeling in the viewer of like what well, i'm fidgeting here. I, I feel like fidgeting here because something's off but i don't know and he's the opening credits almost gave that. me motion sickness that i can also believe yeah because uh it, it does the opening credits thing of like just you know panning shots across you know the beautiful fucking pacific northwest 
And then it gets to like just a sweeping shot across the floor of the Black Lodge in the Red Room. And the floor in the Black Lodge, the floor in the, the, floor in the Red Room is jagged, intersper- like jagged, interchanging lines of white and black. So panning across that as the camera also rotates. Oof. Ooh, just imagining that. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would make people just go, Ugh. but I mean, that's his thing. He wants his viewers to be uncomfortable while watching him. I mean, watch fucking Eraserhead. Yeah. And that fucking baby. You, you want to be uncomfortable? Well, look, look at any scene from Eraserhead. And that's what he excels at. And I, I think that's what's so neat because, like, Twin Peaks sounds like a town where literally anything could happen. Yeah, it's a town where literally anything could happen, but it also had like a through line. It also had like storylines that felt connected. And even with all the weird, awkward, surreal shit happening, you still got a sense that like some of these were, even with all the weird shit that was happening, even with fucking Bobby and his buddy in the jail cell barking at James Hurley, they still felt enough like real people that I got invested in what was happening. And, like, I could also, like, get there were beats happening. There were, like, progression of a story. Even in, even in like I said, even in, like, that first, like, fucking ten-minute opening with the death of Laura Palmer, it did so much to establish all of those characters and how they related to one another and how this death affected the town itself. Like, for as wild as it is, you feel like we're grounded somewhere. Yes, like... Yeah, it's I like understand. I see. Yeah, I I am fucking anchored to the ground while I am also fucking like head first into just like a pool of acid. The lifeline has been tied on the boat, but you're still heading in towards a hurricane that is caused by David Lynch. Yeah, I'm looking through. Everyone has ear has beeswax in their ears, but the captain's just tied himself to the steering wheel. Oh, I can't even think about beeswax and stuff with the ear right now because that stupid spider video has been going around again. I am looking through the bo- I'm looking through a glass bottom boat into a whirlpool. While this well, well this one as it is right now, it is like that glass bottom boat doesn't have a bottom and I'm just fucking falling into a whirlpool. A very very slow moving whirlpool. <laughs> so you thought you were walking through the desert and suddenly you're caught in quicksand. We need that to stop should- coming up with metaphors. Never. <laughs> I love analogies and metaphors. They're fun. We've been doing this for like three minutes. Still, though, that's really fascinating. Um, other than Twin Peaks, I mean, I'm not really a huge TV person anymore. Like, I super appreciate what's being produced these days on TV. I feel like of all the things that in this kind of transitory period where you really can't get hyped for anything these days, movies end up sucking, games end up sucking, nothing really ends up meeting the promises that they've established. I feel like TV has been the one thing that's really excelled at meeting people's and more often than not exceeding people's expectations. Cause speaking of that, one thing I hear about the most is, is quality TV shows. Yeah. And speaking of that, let's fucking talk about agents of shield. I've heard so many dissenting opinions about that. Motherfucker. This season, season makes up for all of it. Shit, but yeah, I was about to say like, does it make up for it? Or did it get worse? Season Until four is one of the Pretty best solid. seasons. Season three, ignore it. Season four is awesome. I've only watched like three episodes of it, but from everything, Dead Man's been beating me over the head with a shovel about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, 
season four is one of the more ambitious seasons they've had so far because season one was introducing the concept and also like saying, Hey, we're fucking tied into that main universe thing, even though they're not really because both of their tying up, like both are tying episodes. One of them was tied in with Thor, the dark world, which was the episode starts with a trailer for Thor, the dark world. And then it is, and then it is the agents of shield cleaning up after what happened in Thor, the dark world. Fascinating. Then, then they tied in with uh, winter soldier, which spoiled Winter Soldier, and if you watch Winter Soldier first, it spoiled the episode. That's hmm. How I'd would you watch the either then? Spoiled. I would watch the movie and then be like, "Oh, this is stupid." They let the movie spoil the show. Yeah. Season How two. I end up enjoying either then. Yeah, season two uh, picked up a bit. Um, it, it, it followed a kind of similar pattern with uh, season one, where the beginning was kind of a, eh, and then it got better as it got towards the end of the season. Season three began introducing all the aspects of the Inhumans and the Inhuman Society and stuff, and it it had its moments, but it just kind of didn't really. Oh God! It was never that came together. Where, was that the thing where they were like, "Oh, Black Bolt's gonna talk and sign"? Uh, no, no, that telepath is and Medusa talks for him. Uh, no, that is in Inhumans, the TV show. Oh, what? That That's a, oh, I thought show? that was just a focused episode on agents of shield. I didn't think that was actually going to be its own TV show. Nope. Season three introduces the, um, like season two and three introduces the idea of inhumans and like that whole thing. But then inhumans, the TV show is in Adelan. Uh, presumably. Okay. So is it, do just you feel like, like agents of shield is kind of after the moderate unsuccessfulness of the first few seasons. Do you feel like it's just going to be a conduit for spinoff series for the rest of Marvel? Oh no, because season four fucking brought it back and brought it back fucking swinging. Like fucking season four is Netflix level quality. I actually would have to say an answer to cap. I, it's definitely going to be a vessel for Marvel spinoff TV series. You do feel like it should be a conduit for that then. Okay. But that may, I don't think that's going to be the focus after season four. And then, if, and, if and let me make it clear, that's like, not a bad thing. If season four had been like season three, that would have been its only point. Like it only the only point would have been to be like, oh yes, and now that you're watching the X Men uh, Academy or whatever, uh, you should go back and watch this one episode of Shield that they mentioned us in. If season if season four one. was like season three, there wouldn't be a season five coming. <laughs> that is true. Hmm. That is true. So in season four. Cap, since you don't so know. they brought it back. Yeah, so, Cap, you don't know this, but in season four, they have three different storylines that all end up coalescing and having a relatively satisfying conclusion. Well, that's already a positive note. I mean, that's... Yeah, so the first part... Better than what I've heard. So the first part of season four is Ghost Rider. They bring in Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, in the fucking Hell Charger, and have oh. him be a like fucking actual significant part of the show for a while. I like that. Yeah, mostly because bring- I'm a huge fan of Tradmore's penciling. Yeah, yeah, and he, and and like Ghost Rider himself looks fucking great. Good. He how looked- faithful is it to the actual like source material? He doesn't have he doesn't have the giant fire hole in his head, but otherwise the design aesthetic is the exact same. Nice. For those of you who don't know that version of Ghost Rider, you should go check it out. They did cha- they did change up his backstory my... in a fairly significant way, but it worked for the show, I think. I believe it was gang involvement was his um, thing, and then he 
so the the the, uh, the serial killer. So in the comics, was that spirit? Yeah. So in so in the comics, uh, Robbie stole the Hell Charger from his work, the, the auto shop, raced yep. it in a race, but then but then he didn't know that the car had drugs in it. So then the guys, so then the guys who were the foot soldiers of Doctor Calvin Zabo, uh, they killed him, took the drugs, and left his dead body with the car, at which point the ghost possessing the car possesses him and turns him into a ghost rider. This is, and, and to make it clear, this is not the same spirit of vengeance that um, Johnny Blaze has. Oh no, my th- God, this I'm is, over it. No, jo- th- thank you, Johnny Blaze. It's yeah, completely th- different. This is the spirit of a serial killer. Yeah, this is the spirit of his so, uncle, Eli Morrow. Oh, yeah, that was a later reveal that it was his uncle. Yeah. But the, the whole dealio was this, this guy is not a positive influence he's not doing this to be this spirit of vengeance that helps people and damns the guilty no this is a more impulsive uh ghost rider this is more violent yeah robbie is the one who turns himself into a spirit of vengeance he's like hey eli i know you want to keep killing people how about this we only kill bad people let's dexter this shit basically and Johnny Blaze, uh, the original Ghost Rider, does come in at one point and uh, beats the living shit out of Robbie. Yeah, and then the two of them team up, and it's great. Yeah, it was really cool. Meanwhile, in the show, what it is is um, Robbie is the Hell Charger is his uncle's. His uncle is his uncle is basically his dad, and he's alive. Okay, yeah. and he and he's alive. And what happens is, as Robbie is kind of like driving home one day. Um, some people who were hired to kill his uncle see the car. It's like, oh, hey, that's the car. They shoot the car. He goes fucking flying out and dies. And then a ghost rider gives him the spirit of vengeance. A little, ha- a little ham-fisted, but I'll take it. It introduces the idea of the ghost rider into the world and also and also like sets it up so that, uh, so that Eli can still be the main bad guy and still have Robbie be a ghost rider. Because Eli okay. is the main antagonist of the ghost rider story arc. So is this the regular spirit of vengeance? Considering his e- his uncle Eli is alive, yeah, Johnny this Blaze is, isn't a factor. This, this is a reg- this is a regular ass spirit of vengeance. Still interesting. I'm still interested to see where that goes. They could yeah. do that well, or they could do it poorly. I think they do it pretty well. They they kind of missed up a couple times, but I think they do a decent job with it. And th- I mean, in a, in a universe where you don't have the, the Ghost Rider already established, and I. Pr- does Marvel still own the cinematic rights to Ghost Rider? Because I thought I believe the whole so. Nicholas Cage films. I thought that was all Fox. It th- those were, but the rights then went back to Marvel. I don't Look. care. My my head canon is that the Nicholas Cage is canon because I want Nicholas Cage Ghost Rider from the first movie, not from any of the not from the later movies. Um, I want that Ghost Rider in the Avengers at some point. <laughs> Just because I want to see how Captain America would react to Nicolas Cage just being there, caging it up. I kind of want Robbie. Holy- I kind of want Robbie Reyes to interact with the Defenders. Regardless, I, I feel like it's interesting. I, 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 I'm interested. I, I, I would watch that. Yeah, but As then who really hasn't been interested in Agents of Shield? That that would I would watch it for that. But really. then. Spinning out of things that were that were being brought up in the Ghost Rider story arc, they go into Agents of Shield LMD, which is essentially just fucking Cylons. It is 
It is like the fucking a scientist. He creates a sentient AI that then he will create. He creates like a cyborg Android AI kind of person who then gains sentience and starts replacing people with LMDs and putting them up essentially into the matrix. So you can monitor and dissect human behavior to try to figure out what makes people human. Ah, the not sentinel brother. I Ultron. Yes. Then, then after like most of the characters have been put into this matrix world, two characters who weren't go into the matrix in order to try to get everybody else out. And then the rest of the season for the most part is them living in a world where Hydra rules the world and all of their friends don't know who they are. So the person who created the AI was a Hydra. No, 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 no. The person who created the AI is just a fucking weird asshole. He's just like, Hey, I want to fucking make shit. Awesome. And he like he, that, so so why Hydra why did the why did the AI choose Hydra was it the AI didn't Hydra choose Hydra what, what the AI did was it removed a single um it, it removed a single regret from every person it put into the framework's life oh and then so let, and then it let it play the natural out flow of the of the uh, virtual reality yeah like it, if the characters that we know from the show weren't in the positions where they were at the show when they needed to be Hydra would have won. Christ, that's a more compelling plot than anything that's been coming out of Marvel's comics lately. God damn it. Yeah, that sounds that, awesome. And actually, that's the that fucking... That sounds so fascinating. Actually, that's the fucking coolest thing. And actually, that, that's also the coolest and the worst thing is that the current big event happening in Marvel is a shittier version of this storyline. I was about to... Literally, I was about to cite Secret Empire and I was like, oh, Secret Empire is so bad compared to this. Secret Empire is fucking it terrible. Is. But this is fucking awesome and they do that such a good fucking like a job lot. with it and they fucking bring everything back in by having this fucking lady get out of the framework get all this fucking shit going on and they bring back robbie i yeah no this i'm fully compelled to season watch this four now. like that sounds phenomenal awesome also for anyone listening you should all go check out any and all of Tradmore's work his penciling is fuck yeah <clears throat> The Luther Strode mm, trilogy so is awesome. Also, look at the stuff he did for uh, Snake Eater. Yes. He just did a bunch of Snake Eater fan art, and ooh, that's some good shit. Ages <sighs> of Shield is really good, you guys, now. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out, as long as I can skip the first three seasons. Yep, go right the fuck ahead. Easy. I will, I will inc- send me your email address, and I will include you in the email where I will just explain all the important things that happened. Hell yeah. Then you go into season four, and you're just like, fucking good. <sighs> so what other shows have you guys been watching? I'm uh, interested in TV again. <laughs> uh, so no other real TV shows to talk about um, as such, because the, the new season of Steven Universe has not officially aired until the end of the month, so I can't really talk about it. That show gives me headaches. Yeah. That's yeah. my, I'll, I'll be the guy with a dissenting opinion there. I'll be that asshole. But that show just gives me headaches these days. I refuse to watch Steven Universe anymore because I'm fucking sick of their release schedule. Um, There was one post that I saw on Tumblr or Twitter or something that really kind of summed up why the show just bothered me these days. And it's not the whole social justice thing that people are pandering about. I'm, I'm completely separated from that. It's not the whole directing issues or storyboard issues or staying on model. It's the mere fact that the actual storytelling has become a mess. And I think it was just a brief comic, maybe like an eight-panel comic, of 
literally it just being blunt with all the characters and saying like, hey, uh, I know how we've been really secret with, with you and that's really kind of benefited no one with no one with us keeping secrets of you. So we'll be completely open with you now. Pretty much using the exact dialogue that was provided from the show. And it was a matter of like, okay, well, hit us with questions. What do you have? What, uh, what, what questions do you have? And Steven was like, well, I'm not really sure what to ask. And like all the gems and every character sentry provided questions in the form of plot threads that were left untied off or plot holes. <laughs> Like anywhere from like, well, why don't you just ask about how fusion works? Uh, Lapis cuts in. It's like, why don't you ask about how my hairstyle and personality is never consistent? Um, why uh, and Jasper comes up from like underground or something? Uh, by the way, Jasper's dead. Spoilers for oh. uh, something that came out forever ago. Yeah, seriously. If you don't know that, go suck a dick. Who cares? Just, just all sorts of stuff that was it. Just like uh. What happened to all the cool add-ons that um, Bismuth added to our weapons? Why aren't we using those anymore? Oh, yeah. I figured that was a kind of... Um, uh, it's a kind of... Um, uh, it's not appropriate to use something made by someone who you kind of had to reduce to a crystal. <laughs> it's like... It's just so it, but it had enough content to it and questions to it where it was it to, to really not not even like reaching all of the questions were legitimate and i was just like christ there is just so much that isn't answered and will probably never get answered and it's just like jesus this is this is becoming a bit of a mess and that's the reason i don't really care anymore because all of it's just kind of it feels like anime filler with a stinger at the end. It's like, okay, well, that worked for your first two seasons. Why why, why are you still doing it? That's not good storytelling anymore. In the last couple episodes, uh, they have, uh, like, in the last couple, I guess, bombs or whatever, they have, they, they have they've been getting better at it. But, yeah, there is still a fair amount of filler weird That's shit. That's a mess, too. The Steven bomb thing. Oh, yeah. That it, is the release schedule is a fucking disaster. Like, Which is why I refuse to watch it anymore. It's a mess. Like, I don't know who. Like, I I know that the that Cartoon Network is technically under new management as of like the last eight years or something, but I haven't really done much to improve the situation. I mean, they're not canceling things left and right like the guy before him, but eh, yeah, and, but like fucking, they're still keeping up that great Cartoon Network tradition of not giving anybody a way to watch the shows after they've aired. Like, hey, you want the DVD? Congratulations, you bought you bought season one of Steven Universe, which is half the episodes out of order. Plus, don't you have like have to have like a special like Hulu, Netflix, Showtime special Cartoon Network Turner Broadcasting Premium account to even watch episodes on the website? Probably. Or at the very least you can't or at the very least you can't be in Canada, which is where I am. Yeah, Daily Motion was the way I always just watched the episode because I think it was called Bird I think the the account name uh bird mom pearl or whatever the account name was literally always uploaded them in hd like maybe an hour after they aired and that was the only way i ever was able to watch them consistently yeah but anyway enough about that uh it's kind of all i've really been watching for tv shows uh let's talk about logan oh i actually just watched that like two days ago again for yeah, the so fourth time so yeah it's good pretty movie. good it's pretty good Directing was good. Some lines were cheesy. Um, thank God Marvel finally learned from Deadpool that if we're going to make a superhero movie, 
using these sorts of heroes, just fucking make it R-rated. Fox learned that, not Marvel. Fox learned that. Fair Mar- enough. Yeah, Mar- that Marvel. True. Yeah, Marvel was like, "Hey, yeah, we can't really do anything with like our main stuff. So let's put it on Netflix. Fuck it." Well, they have money make. They have a money making formula down, so they don't need to do anything. Yeah, but but they still but they still do it, which I really appreciate it because like they didn't need to make a Daredevil TV show. No, they didn't. Oh, oh, totally. But just the fact that Netflix's TV shows have gone up in such high quality in recent uh, years, like, and then took movie, and then took a movies, fairly and then took a fairly deep qual deep dip in quality with Iron Fist. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the, first off, I mean, ask ask anyone. Netflix or just Netflix in general. Netflix in general. I mean, literally. Okay, I'm just gonna just ago. shut you down right there. Uh, all hail King Julian exiled. Um, that's a terrible shit, idea. There was another. Um, Kong, King of the Gorillas, or some shit like that. I'm being yeah, a Netflix I'm original saying. series. Like this is shit. And this is oh, stuff yeah. that they're putting out now. <laughs> I mean, ask anybody four years ago about like Netflix original series or movies, and they would laugh you out of a chat or off of or just out of the room. And then they got better. And then they got worse again. But they still had enough to where people had interest had an interest in investing in it. I mean, that's how we got Voltron Legendary Defenders. That's how we yeah, got um Orange is the New Black. I mean, I think Orange is the New Black is the thing that turned everybody's opinions around. Like, hey, I think Netflix can actually put something out that isn't just chill. Oh, yeah, they absolutely fucking did it. Like, fucking, what did they have before? Hemlock Grove? Fuck that shit. Or, 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 or Weeds. Was that a Netflix original? Weeds? No, that was uh, that was Showtime, I think. Show, I don't pay attention to anything Showtime does. Weeds. Fuck Showtime. Except for Twin Peaks. Give that because they, they Showtime is doing Twin Peaks. I'll give them that. Yep, Showtime. But that's 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 a reboot, not original. No, it's it's not a reboot. It's a sequel. Is well, I mean, it's a continuation essentially. Yeah, which is what a sequel is. A soft reboot, a C boot. It's not even a soft reboot. They're not. It's that's s- one of those words that gets thrown around too much these days, and I have not helped that at all you have not things like literally soft reboot uh what's another word contrarian a words like that don't mean anything anymore yeah twin peaks is the third season the next season a continuation of the story without rebooting anything the things that happened in the original series happened that is not in contest that's good same can't really be said for logan uh, though uh, the the, X, Fox. the X-Men timeline is retarded. I was never a fan of the X-Men stories in general, just because even in the comics, they're a fucking mess. Oh, Every yeah. time there's a big X-Men event in comics, it's literally just to clean up the fact that everything is just a violent dumpster fire of continuity. Yeah, and, and, as, and as it is right now, the X-Men in the comics are the fucking worst people. They are just super entitled, kind of racist. Oh, yeah. So nothing's changed. But as but, a but now, standalone like so. film, as a standalone film, Logan was phenomenal. Oh yeah, like fucking I, one of the things I actually loved in that was like the running glasses thing. 
running glasses thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So at the start of it, like Logan is um just kind of like looking at stuff. He's having a hard time reading it, and then in a scene, you see him with glasses with the tag still on him. Oh yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, that works. And then just as it goes on, he's just like. Like, oh, fuck, right, I gotta get my glasses, put those on. And then by the time you get to the end, it's like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'm just glasses, just natural now. Just a little thing like that that kind of ran throughout the movie that showed that he was, that this is like, oh, yeah, he's old now. Because as a movie itself is fine, like ignoring X-Men continuity outside of the Fox movies and all that. Like, yes, it is a weird shoehorned, not old man Logan story. It's like old man Logan diet or light or sugar free. Old man Logan zero. It's old man Logan in the fact that Logan is it and he is old. But it was a fun, interesting, compelling movie. Well, fun is. Well, I think it was fun and just sort of, I mean, I had fun watching it. I was, I was entertained. I I had fun watching it, but it's not a fun movie. You can't, I guess, you can't really, you can't really so, describe so a mo- you can't really describe a movie fun. as fun when it has an old man who seizures so hard he murdered all his friends. Uh, I'll I'll say entertaining then if that's if if that's that I think that word kind of accentuates the point I wanted to make. Yeah, having it having was a scene, very entertaining. Having I a was senile, glued to the screen. Yeah, having a senile old man being murdered by a younger clone of his buddy. It's not really fucking like feel good family of the feel good family fun movie of the year right there. That is, you know, actually, you know what? Take that back. I I will stand by the fact that watching Laura and Logan slice up people. That was fun to watch. That was phenomenal. That was great. That was fun as fuck to watch. That was cathartic in a way. And it's kind of great that we now have Laura Kinney as like a thing now. Yeah, I'm really happy that she's um getting more of a spotlight because she's. Her history has been a little weird. For those of you who don't know, essentially, she got her spotlight in X-Men Evolutions. Like yes, the, the cartoon series. 90s, early 2000s cartoon. She wasn't even a thing until that show. And they did it a little weird, but it was it was interesting enough that people... I mean, it was blatantly interesting enough that people wanted more of her because because of that show, she got a comic series. Yeah, the, they the hardly queened one, that. The, I, uh, can I pause you for a second? The 90s was awful with this like they just kept throwing new characters in and they were so good that the comics had to make them characters yeah like jubilee jubilee wasn't a thing until the original x-man the animated series yeah and now she's a vampire mom because she was uh because she was that she was that insert character that the writers really wanted because anyone who wasn't really a huge X-Men person. They wanted someone essentially just to learn along with them, a new X-Men, someone who was Audience representative proxy. of the, the, the kids of the time, essentially. And that's what was so compelling about it. That's why it was written. That's why, honestly, it was written so well because of that. Does a mall baby chili fries? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I say well-written and then we're talking about chili fries. <laughs> uh, I, I walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, you fucking did. Yeah, yeah, you did. But in terms of Laura Kinney, X-23... Um, oh, also Jubilee was introduced to the comics before the TV show. Really? I thought she was introduced in the TV show, and then they got added to the comics. Introduced in 1989 by Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri. I believe it. But um, her first run of comics was a little weird, just because her backstory was like... Some of it was good, some of it was like, oh, yeah, it's her being a child prostitute. That's a little... Mm. It's a little dark and why also is that something a thing? That people don't really why, want. Why is that a regular recurring thing in comic books? 
it, because it's it, it's low hanging fruit. It's what it is. It's a plot device. It's it's just something easy. It's like the Disney thing of like, oh well, their parents are murdered and they have an animal companion. It's a fucking princess movie. It's that formula, not really a formula, but it's a go-to plot device. But why? But they changed it up. They fixed it. They they took some things from that, dropped the kind of creepy weird shit. Because like people didn't relate to that then. They didn't like that. It wasn't the story that they wanted to tell. Because it's fucking they wanted stupid. to read about. Like 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 her her story of being engineered as a fucking weapon before finding out what love is, and then fucking oh my god, I have all this programming in my head. What the fuck's gonna happen with it? That's enough. That is a good sympathetic storyline that could have a yeah. lot of things going forward with it. It's different enough from Logan, but still it's like similar enough to Logan that you can get that connection, but different enough that it differentiates itself to the point that yes, this is a whole different character now. Why? Which is why she's the a new prostitute. And those are doing relatively well. Relatively well. They're not the best, but any any writing where they have a uh, new Wolverine Laura Kinney uh, with old man Logan before they, uh, I, th- I think in like recent months, they've concluded the old man's Logan story time where he's been going back and forth between his reality and uh, the 616 universe, which was an illusion due to some MacGuffin that I can't remember fully. Why are we talking Christ. about comic books? Because the we're talking about Logan. Po- yeah. Cause the point is it was really interesting to see how they put her into everything she was a clone, but not they, they, every time, because they continue with the whole, um, Trask thing that they established in days of future. Past, I believe. Uh, not, no, not Trask, not Trask at all. Well, that was the whole collecting samples from mutants and stuff, right. And studying dead mutants and that, cause that's, cause that's what they ended up doing was creating the new children with the new mutant powers. Like, Oh, this is the new ice man, but she's a girl. The new, um, was the one leader of the kids Magneto or was he just a power over earth? I couldn't, uh, he was Richter. He was Richter. That's what it was. And stuff like that. I got and, me thinking about X-Men evolution. It was a good show. I enjoyed it a lot. Some episodes were a little bland and it was a kind of a nineties Saturday morning cartoon. Other episodes. Good shit. But yeah, so, um, as it is, um, with, uh, with like the actual stuff in Logan, um, they took the idea of like the mutants and of like taking mutant DNA and stuff, but it is wholly separated from, um, Trask with, uh, Xander Rice. Yeah. Cause they were like transigen and, um, uh, who the, f- what, what was his, and is his father or grandfather's name? Uh, Dr. Rice. Probably. Yeah. Like Dr. Rice, like senior or something. I can't really remember. It's okay. It's fucking fine. Who cares? But it was it was good. It took some of the really good parts of No More Mutant uh, of of House of M, Old Man Logan, and uh, Old Man Logan Lord specifically. Plots. Very very much so. No, I do not see any fucking uh, House of M in this. Oh well, the fact that there are no more mutants. That's I mean, Old that's Man Logan. I thought there were mm, old no old man Logan right. old man Logan storyline is that Logan killed all the X-Men because fucking Mysterio tricked him. Oh, I was thinking of um Emma Frost and just a few people who remained. Yeah, like, like there were one and or I two. thought there were, I thought there were more left, but I realized there there were one or not. two left there, but they, but it was mostly like hey, mutants are fucking gone because Logan straight murdered them all. They just all happened to be in that mansion at the time. Yeah, fucking that's what you do when you get all your mutant eggs in one fucking school basket. Set up multiple campuses and then differentiate that shit. 
But um, one thing that I really took away from the movie was whoever was the director of photography in that film did a phenomenal job because the color scheme, like I would love to see the color script of that movie because it's so nice. Oh, it's Everything's just one framed word. really pretty. nice. It's just, it's really, really pretty. And John Matheson was cinematographer. I love like punk westerns. Like um, Trigun, uh, to a lesser extent, Desert Punk. Um, just just settings and color schemes like that are purely my aesthetic. I absolutely love them. And that might be my own bias, but uh, objectively speaking, the director of photography deserves an award for that. For his, his work was beautifully done in that movie. Oh, yeah. This, this movie deserves like some kind of fucking awards, which we'll probably get stubbed by. Like just some... It probably get fucking snubbed by some weird fucking indie shit about like a child living in a box or something. Well, something with subtitles because of the reviews it got. I mean, it, because it was so open, it didn't because what people liked about it so much, what people praised about it so much was that it was a superhero movie that didn't feel like a superhero movie. Yeah, of course they did. It felt like this dark Western that had superheroes in it, just uh, in happenstance. Yes, but because, yes, but because it has out. superheroes in it, those motherfuckers who actually say, hey, fucking, we give out the best awards, they'll be like, fuck you, we're giving it to some fucking bullshit by some guy who's about to die and hasn't gotten one yet. I I, I think it will get the recognition it deserves at the end of it the It will year. get the recognition it deserves from the people. True. Hey, at least it's not monster trucks. That movie's the a thing. thing. That movie's a thing. People made that. So, multiple people and multiple steps throughout the filmmaking process were like, yes, this is a good idea. Money was exchanged to make that happen. Ass loads of money, too. I think it was like $100 million or something. Yes, it was. It was. And it is depressing. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that. Jesus shitting Christ. $125 million. They made back less Box than half office. their budget. Less than oh, that's bad. Well, it's it's yeah. it's it's January movies. Yeah, but like, have you seen the have you seen the, of the new King Arthur? That really forgettable movie that no one will remember in like a week. Yeah, that that I barely remembered. Yeah, it is. It's kind of amazing. At at least at least it was opening weekend. Um, really? Yeah. So. Looking at it, uh, opening weekend, domestically, on a budget of $175 million, they made $14.7 million. Ow. That's... Thanks. Yeah, like, you know, after, after a while, like with international stuff, they did manage to make, over the course of its entire theater run, $95.4 million. Only... 30 million and change left to actually break even. Uh, no, actually, way more than 30 because 95, yeah, it was 175 production. Oh, 175. I was thinking yeah. 125. Plus marketing. Oh. They didn't even come close to breaking even. Wait, there's another Planet of the Apes movie coming out? I just happened to like... I was, yeah, yeah, War I was looking Pla- up King Arthur and it was just related searches. War for the Planet of the Apes. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, in July. Yeah, it's. I uh, see no advertisement for this. Oh yeah, I ha- I have. It is um, Caesar and his monkeys leading a fucking war against Woody Harrelson. Well. Also, Steve I mean, Zan. Also, Steve Zahn's in it because he's still alive. It's good. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The first one was good because it was really artsy. And it was and more it, plot it really, driven. It, it could catch you off guard with the fact that it was a Planets of the Eight movie. Like, and I like that. It took I, a I different caught, perspective. I, I caught that movie in four, like four different times. I caught the middle. I caught the beginning. Then I watched the beginning and middle. And then I finally caught the ending to it. And it took all four times for me to realize it was a Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> you know... Wait, it almost wait, wait, it gave wait, you like wait, sort wait. of an Akira feel. Hold up, you hold up. You watched a movie called Rise of the Planet of the Apes four times. I never times. actually saw the beginning. I never saw the beginning. I never saw the title. I would always just walk in when someone was watching it and just sit down and join them. Oh my <laughs> I, god. I was so enraptured I never asked what the movie was. My fucking god. And then god. something would come up to drag me away. <laughs> Rise of the sequel of the prequel of the Planet of the Apes. Of the war. But yeah, that Planet, that Planet of the Apes reboot series has actually been pretty good. Like, I actually really like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Not as much as the first one, but I think it did a good job of what it was doing. Oh, definitely. Also, it's just kind of great. Like, th- those movies, they they could very easily go down the, like, oh, yeah, like, the oh, yeah, fucking all humans are evil and fucking this guy's blah. That, but they do a very good job of keeping things, like, fairly level in terms of who has blame for things. Definitely. Like, in, like in that first one, it could have been, like, oh, yeah, fucking. It plays all sides. And, it, I, and I, I, think, I find that. Very compelling. Like the, I like that it plays every angle. Yeah, the, the first movie could have easily been like, oh my god, science is horrible, what's gonna happen? But no, like, science yeah, is humanity fine. humanity is the enemy. Yeah, like, science is fine, it's assholes who are the enemy. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Draco was would, in that one, put that, uh, Yeah, Draco was in that one, and he was, and he was like, part of the thesis that, hey, humanity's fine, except there are a lot of assholes. That's one of the few things where I'm still like, huh, James Franco did good there. Yeah, and then we go in, and then we go into uh, fucking Donald oh, Planet of the Apes, Marty. and yeah, Gary Oldman's like fucking yeah, whatever. But he is like understandable in what he's doing, and like same thing with Caesar and like his evil chimpanzee guy. Again, while I appreciate the playing all angles, Gary Oldman's character was a little weird. Uh, it just he felt so he felt so much of a he felt so much like a side plot. Like like I, I like I know I'm supposed to feel for you and really see where you're coming from. But you're so. Yeah, it might have just been directly related to the amount of screen time he got. He was so unimportant, really. Yeah, look, look at when the, it came look, to the point where it's like I'm trying to save us or whatever, where he's about to detonate the C4 underneath uh, Ape Central or whatever, and uh, I was just like, "There's no impact for me here." Yeah, while uh, while looking at a uh, fucking the, well, looking at the new one, uh, it looks like a. Uh, Woody Harrelson will be getting some fucking time. I'm not a fan of Woody Harrelson and every everything he plays, but uh, I mean, again, I'm always uh, that he's one of the few actors oh, I'm always willing to give a chance in a film. But anyway, back on topic. Logan, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing negative to say about that movie. I mean, I do, but they're so they're they're not important really. It's not nitpicky per se, it's, but it's a it's matter of like... It's just enough to make it a 9 out of 10 instead of a perfect 10. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any movie as a perfect 10 just because it's that basic thing. Well, well there is no number one game or number one movie because, well, it, 
different strokes for different yokes. I've had a number 10 twice in my life, and both times, like, once I went back a, a year or two later, I was like, yeah, you kind of yeah, no, I was, I was, I was riding the high. This is, this is, this is not a 10. This is a nine at best. Though, I will say that Tenken Topogorn Lagan will remain a 10 forever because it's the best anime ever. Screw yeah. everyone else. For, for movies, like, I fucking. That's my opinion. My opinion is fact. For for movies like I did a review. Uh, I think I've done a couple of like a couple five star reviews for the site. Um, again, it's not like a perfect thing. It is like, hey, this thing is fucking as good as it can be. Just uh, like I highly recommend this. It's not perfect, but damn, do I recommend it? Yeah, like 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 the two things oh, like like one of the movies that I gave like, perfect. One of the movies I gave per, one of the movies I gave perfect five to was the fucking Evil Dead series because I think that is a fucking five out of five fantastic phenomenal movie franchise. I have heard nothing bad. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about the series as well. I those those are my favorite movies. And the other one that I would have given is American Psycho. Oh, I meant like the actual spin-off TV series. Oh, the as well. TV series is fucking great too. Yeah, Ash versus Evil Dead. I heard that Ash versus Evil Dead is phenomenal. Not, Ash versus Evil Dead is not as good as the other ones just just because they use a lot of really shitty CG in it. I mean, they use really shitty CG in like Army of Darkness, so But no, it it's like 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 in in Army of Darkness it is like it's there for comedy. In this, it feels like it is not there for comedy, and it looks you had super the out of didn't place. Use it. Yeah, like like it is like 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 one person gets their fucking head chopped off as Ash is flying through the air, putting his chainsaw hand on, and it looks it looks like Bruce Campbell's head is put onto a fucking fake body that's flying through the fake air to cut a fake head off a fake person, mm. and not in not in an endearing way, in a way that really pulls you out of it. Have any of you guys watched Alien Covenant yet? Oh fuck no! Why would I? Uh, because don't I you want to see? I <laughs> Don't you want to see what uh, Ridley Scott wrote from the retirement home? No, no. I watched all the other Alien movies, and I watched Prometheus, and no, I'm done. They, they, they've, they've, they've lost me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't uh... give. I don't give a fuck what the space jockey is. He was cool before. Now he's just yeah, lame. I... Well, it's it's mostly a matter. I mean, one of the huge issues that people have is like, oh, we're, so, we're answering all these questions. It's like, well, questions that no one really cared to ask. It's like, yeah, also questions that you kind of fucked up on, like, like, in, like in that fucking um in Prometheus, we see a fucking like hieroglyph of the full on for realsies queen alien, and then oh, it's not, which didn't exist yet. Yeah, which didn't exist yet until David did fucking horrible genetic manipulation to actually make the xenomorphs that we know. David's the only good thing between those. Movies. Michael Fassbender's the only good thing between the movies. Anyway, that's what I got. Gave in. You have stuff to do later today, so what do you got? Um. Well, let's start off with something an oldie but a goodie. I am finally starting to catch up on Adventure Time. <laughs> oh Jesus! I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah. Well. Uh, Jesus Christ! This show. This is definitely a show where if I say skip the first two seasons, I mean it. There is nothing in the first two seasons other than like basic ideas of who these characters are. And they keep bringing back that was, <laughs> was charming. And then they keep bringing back things from the first two seasons. I yeah. think they, I think the, the bringing in plot was the downfall of it. I think like after season 3, like season 4 and 5, I can't really remember much of it. It keeps threatening. I think that's when it was just a matter of like 
why insert a plot into a whimsical show? I made it to see. I made it to season. Actually, why I'm watching it? <laughs> I made it to season six in Adventure Time, and it kept threatening to get plot, but never fully g- embraced it, and never actually had anything like plot. It had like world plot, but no character plot. Yeah, and they all have these weird overarching... love triangles. I was like, I don't care. They have they have very serious overarching plots, but from episode to episode, we've got just guys being guys and like i love adventure time for that i actually pitched to a friend that i want to play a D game based on adventure time and i pray he follows through because i, I think he's rule the book, actually what an adventure time D rule book yeah uh around season three on co um somebody actually posted a comprehensive uh D and I think it was three point five or something. Uh, might have three point five. Rule book for an Adventure Time based universe. Shoot me a link if you find it. Well, uh, we're gonna move. I'm, on. I'm looking at it now. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it now. A site called Tribality did a full fucking five E Adventure Time breakdown with with unique races and classes and spells and stuff. It's probably infinitely more updated than the one I had because that thing was like literally a. a 14 page document you shoot can, me a link you can play I'll, as an animal uh, person a breakfast person a candy person a cloud person a flame person a hot dog oh they updated it that's a the human, same thing a lemon person a lumpy space person a nut person a rainicorn nut. a robot and that's it why would that's you play as anything other than a robot but um yeah you could be or a rainicorn. this is the last fun thing i've been watching for tv so everything else is going to be like documentaries and boring shit. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Nickelodeon series. Yeah. It uh, is a great reimagining. It is really fucking CG good. one, right? The yeah, that's one? the CG one. And it's really, it's a really, really solid reimagining. That shit gets All heavy. All of the characters are really great. And I love it. It's awesome. I am very content with it. I am definitely going to keep watching it. And uh, yeah, if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Only they've expanded all of the characters in logical paths. What season? Like, you um, uh, I'm still in season one. Oh, so bitch. no spoilers, bitch. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, but yeah, uh, I personally grew up on Power Rangers and not Ninja Turtles. But I always tried to get into Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, the next mutation, I think it is. I watched and <laughs> enjoyed some of. <laughs> I remember the kids WB Ninja Turtle one sooner than anything. Oh my god. That's why I had to some. like I, I I had to pull the eject button on that plane there. Fucking I was like, wait, the shredder is an alien person? He's a squid billy. What? I like what's going I on. I like that. I like that show. Yeah, I liked it. It got okay it, when it when it got to the point where it was like, hey, all their all them were magic, and also they went to the future, and also blah 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 blah. Yeah, that the only good thing to come out of that was the crossover for all the different versions of the cartoon Ninja Turtles, including the comic book Turtles Forever. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Oh my god, I loved that. Yeah, they bring that back. In the t- in the t- in the series oh, you're watching, so, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, the next thing I'm watching is the beginning of the what I'd like to call boring documentaries because 
well, that's what everyone else classifies them as. But it's Breaking the Magician's Code. This is a show from, like, the 90s. Oh, no, late what, 2000s. What, is that, like, showing their tricks or something? Yeah. yeah it, it does the tricks for you, and then they show the tricks. And there's this rumor that the guy who was doing it was killed by other magicians because he revealed too many of their secrets. Is that, is, was, that, was that the one where, like, it always had a different guy, but he was, like, wearing this weird fucked up, like, luchador mask? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one. Um, Did, didn't Penn and Teller do a show just like that? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Wasn't it called like "Convince Me" or "Trick Me" or something? Oh no, yeah, no, that, that was that was a bit different. Like "Trick Me," uh, uh, I think it was "Trick Me." It was uh, it was they had magicians who went up on stage and Penn and Teller. Fool then us, tr- that's what it was. Yeah, fool us, and then Penn and Teller tried to figure out how they did the trick. I like that. I think that's much more compelling. <laughs> Yeah, because it, yeah. because it actually is. It's like because that, that is like with the, with like the really mission secret or whatever. That's just hey, you know that thing that you do for like entertainment. Yeah, like this is how they do it. Meanwhile, the other one is let's have magician people who versus do this. Magician. Yeah, basically, see if you can get the upper hand on us. Essentially, but what I yeah. liked is they were incredibly respectful because if they were right, they wouldn't say it. They wouldn't say how they did it, so they would keep the secret. And I really liked that. Yeah. All right. So next is I now I'm a documentary guy. I could sit there for days watching things like Life. I love some David Attenborough. So hit it up. Uh, life is life is beautiful. If you haven't seen it, it's a um uh I think it's National Geographic did it. Uh it's either the National Geographic or BBC. Let me see if I can. Uh... Oh, it's Discovery Earth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Usually it's National Geographic or uh, BBC, but no. Life is just a look at all of the life on the planet Earth, and it is a beautiful, beautiful. All of the shots they they went through hell to get some of these shots. They must have, and I just put it on one day while I was writing, and I got through like ten episodes. <laughs> And I didn't realize that I'd been writing for that long. Um, it's good stuff. So. I mean, I, I listen to that stuff all the time. I'll, I'll look the docu- nature documentaries just to get some inspiration sometimes that I'm like designing, I don't know, a new character or creature or something. I watch all, I watch I love the spotlights I lo- they give. The kind of stuff I like, um, how it's made, extreme engineering, um, anything about geography, anything about geology, murder shows, because I'm a writer. Sex murder party. And I need as much information as I can get just so that my shit sounds partially real, even though I'm writing a fantasy story. Totally. <laughs> so I, that's, that's how I got Feel started the watching these shows. And then I just I couldn't stop. Uh, like, a murder mystery while I'm writing a murder mystery to get inspiration and help the ideas flow. Now it's like, man, I just wrote 15 pages. Ooh. Shark Week. God, Shark Week has been ruined. I haven't watched Shark Week in years because it was ruined. Same, same. I found it to be fascinating and then they completely ruined it. Oh! They went Hollywood. Documentary show. Um... Some are hit and misses, but one of my favorite things to ever go on, uh, maybe it was Discovery? Oh, shit. I believe it's called 
not Escape Plan. That was the movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Hey, what are you talking about, man? We could be better, be, be better to great, classify man. these as um, educational programming. Because the last one isn't really a documentary show. And it's Bill Nye Saves the World. I have heard some things. If you liked Bill Nye, it's going to remind you that you were a dork in the 90s. Is, what does that mean? Is it good? Is it bad? It's, ju- it's, it's just like his old show. It It's just like his old show. Um, he gets, he's, he's got a lot more guest stars. It's super cheesy. It really, it really feels like he's pandering to kids, but he's talking to adults. Mm. And I'm just like, no, stop that. Um, that. I don't like being talked to like an idiot. Well, he doesn't talk to you like he's an idiot. He, it, he talks to you like he's, he talks, he talks like he's trying to educate a child. Yeah, and and children are idiots. He doesn't treat you like an idiot though. Just like he did in his original show, he treats you like. You are capable of knowing this stuff. It's just really pandery and it's a little painful to watch as an adult. Octopus Abroad, that's what it was. It was a good series. Hell, apparently IMDb agrees with me. It's got an 8.3 out of 10. And 10 seasons. Wow. The final bit of educational television that I've been watching... Um, is something I can't tear my eyes away from. Wait, wait, wait. It's a show called Brain Games. Okay, yeah, that's, um, that's neat, but I just saw that Tyler, the creator, apparently did the theme music for the fucking Bill Nye new, new series. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that. I think it was like Twitter news or something. I, Brain Game. I Isn't that thing that. where they do like a psychological breakdown of every day? Like, uh, they take one aspect of like your brain. And do a psychological breakdown of it, and it's like why really, people get really like competitive or something. Yeah, it's a Netflix series, right? Uh, I think it was originally on or like a TV show, but it is on Netflix now. National Geographic. I, 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 I remember that. I, I remember that. Yeah, um, and, it's interesting. Um, it's I. I'll put it on and like I'll I'll put it on with the intent of leaving it on as background noise, and then find myself intently watching, trying to learn how to make my brain smarter. Yeah, it's very fascinating. It's kind of like one of those little, like, uh, it, it reminds me most immediately of, like, dad magic tricks or something. <laughs> yeah. Things that would, like, yeah. like, like, like a dad or an uncle would do that would just fascinate you. Like, the whole pull off your thumb illusion or something like that. But then, like, breaks it down for you. It off my face. Yeah, but it, it just captures. Your attention is just like, oh, that's so neat. How do? Wait a minute. I have quarters in my ear? Pretty much. <laughs> and it just, and it's like, well, here's what you thought you had quarters in your ear, you dumb, slack jawed moron. Get fucked, you piece of shit. You fucking Now we're going to put these two teams of <laughs> after the opti- somethings together. There was an optical illusion. I'm going to shove this fucking cigarette up your and- nose and pull it out your fucking ear. Then my you fiance, educated while you do it. my fiance showed me a video of a cat looking at optical illusion, attacking it because she thought it was moving, and I immediately printed out an optical illusion and put it on the floor, and I had to take it away before the recording because my cat was just crumpling <laughs> paper the entire time. Cats are it cute. was so adorable. I don't understand this. You're dumb idiots. I can barely understand mirrors. <laughs> uh, she hates the mirror. Yeah, you ever um, see you ever see those videos of like wild animals? looking in a mirror and just them freaking the fuck out. 
Who are you? What are you doing in my house? No, no, it's not even domesticating. We'll talk about like fucking going into the going into like fucking like zoos. Yeah, they go into like zoos or like wildlife preserves and just like fit, like put a mirror there and then just have a have a fucking panther just freak the balls out attacking it. I remember yeah. I saw one with an elephant, like tried to make friends with it. And I was like, oh, elephants. Uh, okay, so, so that's you show it to all any the cat TV it just I've involves watched. blood. That's all the TV I've watched onto the movies. One, it's a it's a classic. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. Atlantis, the uh, Lost Empire, or something. Yep. Yep. That is the uh, that is the movie that I watched that introduced me to uh, fiery Latinas. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, she's she her that and the Black first... Doctor are my, are my favorite characters in that movie. That was my first um, contact with Mike Mignola uh, character design because he was one of the art directors of the film, and I absolutely love what he did. Um, probably one of my mo- probably one of my top Disney movies of all time. Um, number one being Treasure Planet. Just ugh, fucking love that movie. I have to agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Maybe not the same rankings, but I definitely agree with you on the intent. Only reason that oh. movie didn't do well is because Harry Potter came out at the same time, <laughs> like the Sorcerer's Stone, and it's like, oh well, fuck, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's like whale shit. It's like it's um, like it, it was the Battleborn. Uh, Overwatch <laughs> situation. Uh, oh God! Yeah, such a good movie. That game got destroyed. Yeah, no, it's a great film. Um, wide cast of characters. Uh, a bit on the stereotyping side for some of them, but it's a Disney like, movie. It's also like, like they know their jokes, so it's not really offensive. That kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I heartily recommend it. I do not recommend the sequel. Yeah, that was <laughs> all over return. the place. It was like short. Well, no, Milo's Return was intended as a pilot for the TV series. <laughs> oh. And, oh. and they never gave it to him. So they were like, we'll release it as a straight to DVD movie. Who cares? And doomed any chance of it ever getting a TV series. Though, yeah, honestly... It was really it, bad. It was a very good self-contained story. It did not need a TV series. Definitely not. Um, but, yeah. So, the last thing I watched that is it's important to my heart, and I have a bit of a story behind why I love this movie and why I have to tell you guys about it. Fat Kid for the majority of my life. I have been bullied, I have been cajoled, I have been picked on, I have been tormented because of this. I went to a majority black school, and the majority of the kids in my class were highly physically athletic. Now, I can run like a motherfucker, but when it came to jumping or anything else, I was dead last. I didn't didn't have the speed, I have stamina. Like, I will outrun you because you may get ahead of me, but you're going to be out of breath. Runner. And I'm just going to jump. Yeah, I'm a distance runner. Um, and they would make fun of me. And every single day, I hated it. And then I come home one day. And I go over to my aunt's because my aunt has cable. Hell yeah. And I put on the Disney Channel. And on the Disney Channel was a movie called Heavyweights. Oh, that Heavyweights one. Is a, Heavyweights is a movie about 50. Fat, obese, chubby, 
Um, and they're sent to a, their parents send them to a camp with the, and they think the camp is being run by these lovely people who don't intend to help the kids lose weight at all. Seriously. They like, they don't seem to actually care about the kids losing weight. Um, but the kids get there and find out that evil Ben Stiller has come over to take the camp and turn it into like hell on wheels workout camp. Yeah, I think he's essentially playing his like dodgeball character, but yeah, he is. It's the same character. <laughs> it is the same goddamn character. Uh, oh my god, I I have now an internal continuity that the dodgeball character went on like that he came from this that heavyweights led to the dodgeball character trying to take over that gym and then giving up and just becoming fat again. <laughs> it's now my my head cannon now. Um <sighs> Wow, I'm looking at screens from this movie. This super went under my radar, but Jesus, this is Ben Stiller at his Stillerist. Yeah, yeah, it is a great film, and it's a film with a very positive message. So long as you're willing to look at it, it was this film that actually started me exercising. Because of this film, I started while irregularly. I still started jogging, lifting weights, doing jumping jacks. I went out and salvaged a stationary bike because I realized it's no one's fault that I'm fat. It's my fault for not trying not to be fat. It's not a bad thing to be overweight so long as you're not unhealthy. And I love this movie. I am so glad that Netflix brought it to my attention again. Because it's been years since I've seen it, and I've watched it three times since I saw it was on Netflix. <laughs> that was like two weeks ago. But yeah, I, this movie is important to me, and I'm glad I got a chance to share it with you all. I like it. Watching. Cool. All right, then. Cap. Um, I had to go over what I happened to be watching recently, so I looked through my downloads folder. <laughs> Um, I think the most recent things that I watched were Train to Busan, the uh, Korean film. Absolutely phenomenal film. Uh, not as heart-wrenching as they wanted it to be, but that's just me being a stone-cold asshole. But a really fun zombie movie out of what would uh, out of what one would consider a tired genre. But I thought it was fun. I thought it was a very emotional movie. I thought it was interesting. You hated some characters. You loved other characters. And the reason that I did is key itself that it was well-written. Because there were some characters I loved and there were some characters I despised. And the fact that I was so invested, I think that's a good thing. They apparently released an animated prequel called Soul Station. Well, now I need to check that out. <laughs> From the look at the poster, it looks like it's all horrible CG animation. Never mind. Oh, no. <laughs> I was literally about to say, watch it be disappointing. Yeah, like I said, uh, that's, I, that's just from the poster. I'm not sure if it actually is, because sometimes animation looks fucky, but, you know, just just no. If it's CG, then just no. Huh. Um, another I, movie that I happened to watch was a... Um, award-winning uh, indie film from last year that really also completely flew under my radar, but it, and it's, it's sad to say that because the movie is 
so so good it's called the void it's a 2016 indie horror film oh yeah i and i heard about that i've been meaning you to like, watch it i got a copy of it and i haven't just i just haven't watched it yet it is the best 80s throwback horror film i have ever seen if you like john carpenter's the thing or anything else that he's done bitch and anything else that even comes close to that you will love this film so be sure to join I, us in two I, weeks' time for an in-depth discussion of The Void. Seriously. I don't want to say watch it because I don't want to spoil you guys. I don't want to spoil anybody who hasn't seen it yet because it is a very plot-intensive film and almost anything would be spoilers. But I'll say this. Trapped in a hospital, cult. Uh, and then anything you could take from the poster itself and the words The Void, it gets pretty crazy. And it just, it constantly keeps you thinking. And I like movies that ask me to do that, to think on my, think for myself instead of just absorb the information and exposition they give me. Also the use of practical effects really just makes me smile. Cause I love it. Practical effects done right. Yeah. And uh, caveman looking at it. Um, it looks like the only way you can get it is either renting it digitally or buying it digitally. Yeah, I know. I'll have to see if I can do that. Absolutely, absolutely you, worth it. You got like you gotta support indie. You gotta support indie movies. You can't just be like, oh, just download it because that would actually kind of fuck the indie company. And it was praised up and down too. So you know you're making a good investment. I'm telling you, you're making a good investment. Listen to me. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cat. yeah. Meanwhile, in Canada, a movie doesn't apparently exist. Really? But I thought, wait, I thought it was Canadian me. On, on, so, uh, so in order to find where things are available for streaming, either like, either like subscription streaming, buying it like that, or just whatever, uh, I go to justwatch.com. So it's a 2016 Canadian horror film. How is it not available in Canada? On just, yeah. So on just watch us, um, the movie is available. Like I said, on like Amazon, uh, video, blah, 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 blah whatever. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, you search the void in on just watch Canada the void that we're talking about doesn't show up. What the fuck? What the hell? I mean, hey, look at it this way. The the budget was 82,000. It made 150,000 at the box office. Also, I I should also just point this out. So, the only co- so Searching the void on Amazon.ca, uh, the only copy is a DVD that is imported for th- for over thirty bucks that will ship to you in one to two months at time of recording. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so once again, the film industry's opinion of Canada is get fucked. Get laid. Get fucked. Uh, additionally, what else did I have? But hey, we got Star Wars, so fucking whatever. That was, that was the only time where where Canada's actually been in any kind of advantageous position when it comes to fucking streaming movies, is that Canada got The Force Awakens first. I can't wait to get two Star Wars movies a year. (laughs) Till we die. Forever. I can't wait for the time where people are saying like, hey, we'll Marvel crossover with Star Wars, but then the no. Everybody keeps fucking jacking off to this. I want to die. Uh, 
last the only way the only way I would be willing to accept that happening is in a Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> well, prepare uh, to be disappointed, lastly, bitch. The most recent movie that I've seen is a 2014 film. Uh, it's called A Most Violent Year. And speaking of uh, speaking of Star Wars, Oscar Isaac's in it. So, <laughs> if you are a fan of Oscar Isaac, check this out. I will only, also, I will um, only check it out if he has a dance sequence equivalent to that in Ex Machina. Uh, do you like out? Do you like uh, Marlon Nemo's dad? Because he's in this as well. <laughs> okay. Any other weird casting choices you want to bring up? Because this doesn't sound like they would mesh. Uh, I mean Jessica Chastain, but she's just woman in film. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it, it, essentially, a most violent year. It's a very slow burn crime film. It's essentially based around. It's it, it's based somewhat in truth, and it's based around the turn of the eighties, like in nineteen eighty one in New York, where uh, oil transporters, like people who would drive oil tankers and supply those at their facilities, um are constantly being hijacked at gunpoint and so it's fast and furious there's a lot of crime kind of sorta not really it's a very slow burn because it focuses on oscar isaac uh, making like this big land purchase to expand his own business he's one of many um oil oil and fuel suppliers and what he's trying in the area and essentially focuses around him trying to stick to his own moral compass and keep his company clean amidst like consistent, um, uh, what, what's the, what's corruption. the word? No, uh, well, corruption. Those motherfuckers also, with the genetically engineered uh, corn. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, financial espionage, um, corporate, uh, not corporate espionage, but just, uh, corporate corruption, um, violence ag against each other. It, it, because um, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie because it's it's um, it's almost a thriller in a way. But the acting in it is fantastic. Oscar Isaac does a great job. Albert Brooks is uh, plays Oscar Isaac's uh, financial advisor and like second in command in terms of the business tr business transactions and ongoings. And it pretty much just shows how dirty one has to get to have their business survive while also trying to keep your head above the water. Yeah, you would not believe the shit I've had to do to keep this website running. And it's... He made me sell my kidneys. You weren't <laughs> using them. I mean, half of a kidney can do the work of two. Exactly. You'll be fine. You made me sell both. Dude, I but, got you those fucking calf kidneys. They work. Got to give him a mega baboon heart. <laughs> um, that that that's that's a that you require at least like ten years commitment to this website to do that. Right now, I can only give you a somewhat energetic chimpanzee heart. I'll take it. But um, when all is said and done, it's it's a very well done. <sighs> It's, it's I, I I know this has kind of been the word of the day brought to you by the letter X, but it's a compelling film. I was 
very involved in it. I was really interested to see how far the characters would go because it shows multiple uh, perspectives. It shows the man in charge of his own business and what he has to do to say, this is a quality, clean-cut business that we want to show to people. We won't go the routes that other companies do, whereas it'll show the other companies undercutting him. Um, it'll show him calling out those companies saying, I don't know who, which one of your companies is fucking with me right now, but let's be adults. Let's actually be the respectful businesses that we try to pretend to be put, put off to the public. All those motherfuckers putting out branded content. Cause like he is a family man. So it shows how his family is getting impacted by this. So whether or not his family is getting threatened by these other companies, it shows financial people, uh, trying to do investigations on possible corruption that he is doing while trying to keep himself clean. It shows the employees themselves scared for their lives because they don't know if they're going to get their uh, truck on one of their own runs stolen at gunpoint. And whether or not it's like the moral decision of should we arm our drivers uh, if that's okay. But if we do, what message does that send? And I, I, I think it's incredibly well done. Okay. So then, anything else? Or I mean, I've watched plenty more. Uh, I watched Moana, but that's it's like it's Moana. It's a Disney movie. It's visually gorgeous. The colors are phenomenal. The voice direction's pretty great. This music's phenomenal. Story's boring. It bored me to tears. Yep. It was. It was literally Finding Nemo again. Disagree. They tried to. <laughs> It wasn't really? fin- it wasn't finding Nemo again. It's just it was really not paced all that well. Well, the begin the, the the first chunk of conflict is literally just finding Nemo. It's like I'm an overprotective dad because something bad happened to me once, so I smother my child and don't go into the open ocean, or else you'll die. And then you get out into the big wide world, and it is an island, maybe two. Yeah, I mean it was all right. Voice direction, though, was what stood out to me the most. The big, the, the big, fuck, the big fucking po- moment where she like, hey, I can't fucking do this anymore. I got to throw it away. And then she fucking goes on to her life and then realizes, oh, wait, I was supposed to do that. That happened in one location. Yeah, that was weird. In a scene. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, I'm unsure if he's done any voice work before this or if this was his kind of uh, premiere in voice acting. But um, the voice director for that film deserves an award uh, because I wasn't expecting a lot out of his performance, but Dwayne Johnson's character, as well as his inflections, just everything about what he did honestly carried the whole movie for me. I think Maui was the most entertaining character in that entire film. And Dwayne Johnson brought so much life to that character. Like, Again, I don't know if that was his first time doing voice acting. Uh, his first time doing voice acting was in the film Planet 51. Let's, let's, oh, let's, let's God, skip over no. that one. Let's, As Captain let's, Charles let's Chuck happen. T. Baker. Let's, oh, let's, God, let's, let's, let's skip over that. that. I remember that was one of their big selling points. Yeah, let us skip over the beginning roles of he, Dwayne Moana The Rock was Johnson. His first, Moana was his first one. Uh, well, no, actually, because the fourth before, before Mo- that Mo- Moana was his first. Because one. before that, he was also the voice of Cliff Jumper in an episode of Transformers Prime. Ah. 
Yeah. I, I can respect that. Interesting. He also played I'm Alex Decker in the solid. video game Spy Hunter Nowhere to Run. Never Jesus heard of that Christ. video game. I haven't heard of like a good chunk of these. Regardless, uh, I would be proud of myself if I was him. He did some damn good work. Also, Dwayne Johnson, I keep, it sounds fucking weird as hell when you say it. Yeah, but if I had to keep saying Dwayne the Rock Johnson, this, that, that. Just call him the Rock. That, that would have just, that would have, ugh. That, that whole re- analysis and quick review would have been like three minutes longer than it should have been. That's fine. We see that part where Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, I will never not refer to him as Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock, the Rock Johnson. Johnson. I will never not refer to him as that. Even if we fucking get fucking super bro or whatever. I'll still be like, hey, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And his I'd dad, call him, the Boulder I'd Johnson. I'd call him Rock. <laughs> I'd, call, I'd go up to him and call him Rock. Like... But no, I genuinely liked Moana. Should he get nominated for an Academy Award? It will be Academy Award nominated actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I like Moana for one reason and one reason only. It is a demonstration that Disney hasn't sunk in so far into the depths of its own depression that it can't drag itself out via other studios. It is a solid film. It's very enjoyable. Uh, I understand your issues with pacing. I don't see them personally, but I understand how you might have an issue with their pacing because their pacing is a little fucky. For me, it wasn't yeah. the pacing. It was just the it was just the lack of real conflict. It was a matter of oh great, uh, conflict is fueled by the fact that characters don't communicate like real human beings. Well, see, that one I can actually I can understand why they're not communicating like real human beings because he's a god that was cast out by humanity. And no, it wasn't even that. It's a matter of like her and her father. It's like, well, just we used to be nomads, uh, but because re- because of my own personal reasons and things ha- bad happened to me. Uh, nobody's allowed. We're, I'm literally forsaking our entire legacy, our, our entire like past, because of that. And it's like that's not the reason why they weren't nomads anymore. Wasn't it the matter of like his friend died and he's like, no one should leave anymore. It's too dangerous. Out no, there. that's not the reason at all. What was the fe- what was they the what was the they feeling? The reason that they stopped being nomads was because islands started being consumed by the shadows. That's where the the story at the very beginning that the old lady is telling comes oh, from. Oh, yeah, that as well. Yeah. And no, but, the, but also the, because the, he wouldn't let Moana go because of that. And yeah, it was just not, like that's the only thing. like that's the only thing that comes from his friend dying. He won't let his daughter on the water. Which was stupid because it's like, well, why can't you just say that? I don't care the amount of PTSD you have. Just communicate like a real human being. This person's supposed to be the new monarch. Got a lot of got a lot of no dumb stuff. <laughs> But and another thing that bothered me was the fact that Moana goes out into the water, goes sailing, someone with no sailing experience whatsoever, and is like completely surprised, like, oh no, I, I, I almost drowned and I don't know how to sail after having no experience whatsoever my entire life with sailing. This is such an unforeseen consequence to my own ignorance. How could this have happened to me, Moana? She's a character. teenage girl who's super self-confident in herself. And it's like, oh, my dad was right because of that one screw-up that happened on the water due to my own ignorance. And I was just like, uh, all right. 
I find it believable because she is a teenage girl who is self-assured in her arrogance until she almost dies. It I, is believable to me because I have dealt with teenage girls as a TA. I mean, I was a teenage girl once, and I just <laughs> I can't. I, the suspension of belief it expects me to have. I also can understand a father not talking to his daughter about watching his friend die. Uh, I just, I don't know. Just certain things, it's just, when it expects me to suspend my belief for certain things, I just kind of can't. Another thing that bothered me was the whole coconut people. Like I know that was one supposed to be one of the many threats on the on the open ocean or whatever. Yes, one of the many threats in that there were three threats. And also one of them was a five minute little scene that changed nothing. Like like if you remove that five minute portion with the coconut people, the, the plot nothing would have changed. Yeah, no, it was entirely pointless because it it wasn't even a I can stand on my own two feet scene. No, like, it, no, it was, it, it was it was a characters developed. It yeah. just kind of went back to the status quo that they established maybe like two minutes prior. That that whole scene was essentially, hey, children, would you buy a coconut gremlin plushie? Yeah, no, it was an Ewok scene. They want to sell. It was an Ewok scene. Plain and simple. Yeah, that was that was awful. Um, especially since they like at the beginning when they were establishing like oh all these threats and she's like tapestry, 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 monster. It's like there's no threats, and then like six more tapestries open on their own because plot. And it's like oh well, we're gonna get see an interesting diverse array of threats. <laughs> Fuck now, bitch. We well, see a crab <laughs> who sings for us, coconut things that yell at us, and, and the final boss. Lava and final boss, Lava Mom. Yeah, we could have gotten a few more monsters, and I definitely would have been happy to see those, because I am really, really big on... I'm really big on monsters. Creatures from cultures all across the globe, and... More things like Tamatoa. Like, Tamatoa seemed like a significant cultural thing. Like, this is this beast crab thing that hoards gold and all this. You need more demigod-esque creatures like that. Yeah, I'm not convinced by uh, Coconut Fred and his fruit salad island. For those of you who don't get that reference, that was on Kids WV forever ago, and it was a horrible, horrible show. Think problem solvers level bad. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) That resonated. That resonated with Cave. I'm dead. No, I no no he he he, he went he went oh. Oh, I mentioned problem solvers. Oh, hey. Anyway, anything else you got? Um, nope. That's as much as I've watched in the last month and a half, two months. <laughs> We're coming up on the two-hour mark soon enough. Did you want to do more news? Well, yes. Now, now that we've done, now that we've finished talking about what we've been watching, then on to news. Less depressing this time, hopefully. So first up, I looked up a picture of the problem solvers, and now I have nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now you realize this is bliss, too. So anyway, let's get into news. So, people are still making video game movies, including Sony, <sighs> who is apparently... Wanting to build an entire franchise around Uncharted, starring Tom Holland. 
I. Wow, that's um. The kid seems like a decent actor from what I've seen of him so far. Yeah, but for Uncharted, he's young Nathan Drake, like child Nathan Drake. Interesting, I guess. It's an interesting choice, but I don't see what fueled it. Uh, what fueled it is, hey, Tom Holland's young, and we want money. He's that Spider-Man, right? Yeah, it's like, hey, he's that fucking guy who's out there doing the fucking jokey shit and the, the fucking onesie or whatever, Spider-Man. right? How about we put him in a fucking t-shirt, call him Nathan Drake, and have him do that same shit in, like, fancy places? Like, hey, yeah, Spider-Man, yeah. you want to be a video groom character or something? Oh, Spider-Man's getting another game? No, no, no. You're going to be Nathan whatever. Yeah, you're game's Nathan. popular, right? You're going to be fucking Nate D-Doggy or whatever. What's going to happen the is you're going to be... popular, What's right? going to happen is you're going to be fucking Indiana Jones, but, like, not as competent, and you're going to have some fucking old asshole smoking the entire time around you, right? Indiana of the Lost Raiders, you're Doom be, Dark. You're going to be playing Mississippi Jones. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about this casting choice. I have mixed feelings about them doing a movie, considering all the movies are pretty cinematic as it is. Oh, I have no to mixed feelings about where... them doing a movie. Don't do it. Amen. Yeah, I just, I mean, like, it could be good, but also, why bother, considering we have four pretty much movies as it is? It's not like there's gameplay or anything. Yeah, also, what's, e- what's even dumber about all this is Sony. That's doing this owns Uncharted. They're making fucking. That. They're making. They're making bank off of Uncharted, and now they're trying to wring more money out of the thing that has already made the millions of dollars. Sony gets greedy, and by Sony gets, I mean is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, other thing that is a bit more um, that has a bit more like potential behind it is uh, Netflix is producing a series based on the Witcher book series. I've never read the book series and I've only played a portion of The Witcher 3 because my computer can actually fucking run it now. Um, I can't really tell if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So it's basically, so um, for those who don't know, The Witcher is a fairly long running book series that has been turned into a series of well, re- well received games. Oh, there were books before the games. Yeah. Yeah. That's I really like that. Yep, they are. Yep, it is. Uh, it's a Polish series, uh, written by a guy whose name I will never be able to pronounce. <laughs> but yeah, it's a. Uh, it follows. It follows. Um, Geralt of Rivia, a Witcher, who is a essentially a self mutated monster hunter. Andrzej Zabkowski. Okay, put it in the chat so I can see it. Please now. try this. A N D R Z E J Zapkowski. Andrzej Zapkowski. Andrzej Zapkowski. I don't know. In, fucking Polish. In, Polish dusting. name. Into string. But yeah, so they, um, if they if they base it on the books, then it's a, they have a chance. It a is based chance. on it is based on the books. But there is one. Mm, Exclusive <laughs> problem, and that is that we have three games already based on the books, and the TV show will never compare for the same reason that every video game movie is doomed to failure. 
And that is, you can't take a hyper-interactive medium and put it into a non-interactive medium. Well, it, it depends. Well, here's very the, true. It depends on where the it depends on where the story actually takes place because the games they they aren't straight adaptations of the book. If they hmm. call the TV series The Witcher, everybody's going to look at it and say, "Well, it doesn't compare to the games," and that's going to piss me off because I don't like the games. <laughs> but. That's well, so I opinion. just I think it's stupid that people would expect it to. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a different medium. It's not going to be a book where the pacing and interaction is based off of the reader itself or a video game where it's, well, it's a fucking video game. So I'm interested to see. Don't forget people are assholes. Yeah. So uh, the, yeah. So uh, the original author um that, Andersage Sapkowski. That guy. Um, he tried. It's fine. Yeah. Mr. Sapkowski. He'll be serving as creative consultant uh, for the series um, with the mm. with the series itself. Um, supposedly, quote, staying true to the source material and themes that Sapkowski has spent over 30 years writing. I mean, yeah. Hey, why not? That's a good sign. Yeah, I agree. That's a very positive sign. Yeah. Um, one of the episodes, at least. Uh, will be directed, or at least, yeah, will, will be directed by um, Thomas Baginski, who was involved in making the games. Uh, while the show itself is being produced by um, Platige Image, a Polish film company. I mean, hey, it seems like a recipe for some quality content. I'd like to see where it goes. I mean, it's yeah, kind also, of hard when you have both the creative minds or both of the media, uh, both, of me- both of the mediums directly behind it, so... Yeah, also, yeah. Uh, this guy will finally be getting paid for his for shit based on his fucking work, because apparently he makes no money from the games. That's... That's shitty. Disheartening to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently they just kind of, like... Fucked got, him? They apparently just, like, bought the rights, and they were like, hey, you don't get anything. That's... Wow, that's disappointing. So with him, like, working on the show, he'll actually be getting paid. It's the sad thing about being a writer. If you're not careful with your contracts, you will never. J.K. was lucky. Like she, uh, she was lucky and smart to get her the contracts that she did. Yeah. But so, anywho, according to Entertainment Weekly, Robert Zemeckis is currently the front runner to direct the Flash movie. What has he done? I need to look that up. I can't tell if you're joking. Beowulf, Allied, Back to Oh, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, The Walk. I don't know. Some some directors don't immediately resonate with me. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis is a very well known director. He did all the Back to the Future movies. Uh, Forrest who Gump, framed Roger who Rabbit. framed Roger Rabbit, <laughs> Castaway, Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah, Thirteen Ghosts and he Ghost. did Thirteen Ghosts. Really? Well, he produced it. Ah, and Ghost Ship. I have, I have positive feelings. I am hopeful. Yes. Yeah, so um, he's currently a front runner. Um, it's uh, nothing is uh, officially set in stone yet. Um, this news comes after some conflicting reports from screen junkies as well as um, Humberto Gonzalez, um, El Mayimbe on Heroic Hollywood, I believe. 
Um, yeah. So Screen Junkies reported a couple weeks back that Robert Zemeckis was in talks to maybe direct the movie. And then shortly after that, um, Umberto came on Twitter and refuted that, saying that his sources are saying that he was that he had a talk and is not in talks. Fair enough. No reason to get hype over something that isn't, isn't confirmed yet. Yes. Uh, however, um, sources now confirmed to Entertainment Weekly that Robert Zemeckis is the front runner for the job. Uh, nothing has been set in stone yet. Um, he still work. He still has other projects going on right now, and there is um, still a short list of other directors they could get. But he is currently the one the studio is eyeing. I like the idea of having more outside of the purview directors, like outside the purviews of uh, this genre of film, like, you know, just the comic book movie mm. directing these sorts of films. I, I mean, it can, it can be good and bad. It's a double-edged sword because some people might miss the mark in like completely like, I don't know, uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, a ding dong in Avatar, it and 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 miss the point entirely while trying to pursue this stupid vision in film. Damn the source material. But other people might take it and push it to Logan's standards, where we get a very well crafted and directed film that happens to be in a superhero setting. And I think that's what we need more of. Maybe. In addition to just more R-rated uh, superhero films. Because, I mean, yeah, I get that these are supposed to be for everybody, but there are some stories you can't just make PG-13. Yeah. I agree completely. I mean, PG-13. Like, you can't cut somebody's head off in a PG-13 film because it's made for 13-year-olds. It's made for children. PG-13 doesn't mean anything even nowadays when you're you 25. Tons of games that are rated T for teen that you can do much worse than chopping the head off of. And... Exactly. Which yeah. is why I think the film rating system needs to be completely turned over. Yeah. But that's... Oh, Christ. Anyway, uh, with this news... um. EW was also reporting that EW was also reporting that Billy Crudup, who would be playing Henry Allen, Barry Allen's dad, had left the project. Um, they then shortly after that updated saying, yeah, he's still attached. Thanks, EW. And the final thing. There's going to be another Stephen King adaptation this year. Yay making it what are we getting uh mr mercedes i'm not i'm not privy to that one yeah and so i should also say that um with mr mercedes this is the fifth live action stephen king adaptation coming out this year with Always the other impressive. with the other are ones you being serious yeah so there's mr mercedes the dark tower it gerald's game and the tv series of the mist Wait, they, they're remaking TV it? Series? That sounds awful. Yeah, they're remaking it. Uh, their controllers coming out all that, for that all over the fucking place. Uh, it seems to be mostly focusing on the kid versions of them instead of the like adult versions of them and has some of the kids from Stranger Things. I think, Good, it's, gonna, I was... think it's gonna completely miss the point of the original story. Yeah. And, you, know, you know what? Honestly, sometimes you gotta miss the point of Stephen King's original stories. 
I mean, I wa- I've read the original The Shining. I watched the original The Shining. And then I watched Stephen King's TV miniseries. I prefer the original The Shining movie over everything else. Because it's well, actually scary. It's because yeah. it's Stanley Kubrick. Let's be real. Yeah, but I'll, no, also, it's, and I also just say this, like, with all this, it's because you put, because most of the time, if you put something in Kubrick's hands, you've got to get something great out. Also that's, why of, they, that's why that joke of, well, the moon landing was faked. It was directed by Stanley Kubrick, but he was such a perfectionist that he made him film it on location. Yeah, and so I also say, so with the Mist TV series, uh, it's being done by Spike. Oh, I already hate it. No. Yeah, so, um, AT&T's audience network has apparently been uh, developing Mr. Mercedes into a TV series. What the fuck even is that? Audience, AT&T audience. Who the fuck cares? Exactly. Who the hell are you? And why do we care about anything you make? So, here's here's a little snippet about it. Mr. Mercedes follows a demented killer, Brady Hartsfield. Who taunts, who taunts a retired police detective, Bill Hodges, with a series of lurid letters and emails, forcing the ex-cop to undertake a private and potentially felonious crusade to bring the killer to justice before he is able to strike again. That is a terrible description. Bored. That is a terrible description of, uh, of a thing that actually sounded kind of interesting to me. Uh, the plot of it. I, mean, I thought it was supposed to be like a hard-boiled detective kind of. Thing. Yeah, in, yeah. The description that I read of the plot on, like, for the book, is one day a job, one day at a job fair. Um, some guy in a Mercedes mows down like half the fucking people there. He then, he then, uh, then all of a sudden a cop, uh, receives a letter from a, per- a retired cop receives a letter from a person who, who like claimed to do, who claimed to be, who claimed to do that, uh, calling himself Mr. Mercedes. Hmm. I'm not completely sold on this story by Stephen King. Oh no, I'm not. Like, I I find the idea of it kind of interesting. It's just that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. A whole movie out of it. Plus, I mean, the movie. I mean, the book's like what 400 pages long. Yeah. Also, it's a TV series. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't see getting a season two. Starring, yeah, it's starring Harry Treadway from fucking Penny Dreadful and Brendan Gleeson. Is it a series or mini series? I need to. It make said sure I series. That. Yeah, I don't see it getting a season two. Ten episodes. I don't know. Hope they tell the whole story. I mean, I'm not gonna watch it. I'll pay attention to see how it does but i i personally have no desire to watch that that might that might it was originally meant to star anton yelchin unfortunately he passed away anywho does for news new releases for this week it's a bunch of things that just look just like the fucking bee's knees i guess we have the Fifth, sixth, twenty eighth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Who cares? Yeah, uh, the Baywatch reboot, which is currently rocking Again? a very solid seventeen percent. I'm shocked it's that high. Yeah! Wow. Yeah, and then the War Machine, the Brad Pitt movie. 
Okay. Uh, mm, uh, not impressed uh, with any of these titles so far. Yeah, none of these excite me. As they and probably... I used, to, I grew up watching Baywatch, so you know that's saying something. I mean, but it's still, it's it, it's Baywatch. It's like it's Baywatch. Yeah. You know the movie. You know the thing that pisses me off the most. What's Fred that? Years. Baywatch. The TV show made a joke about how stupid it would be to make a Baywatch movie. <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Oh, there was an episode where they were trying to shoot a movie about the lifeguards. I think. I might be remembering something else. But I'm pretty sure Baywatch made a joke about this exact topic and how stupid it was. Welcome to 2017, where no idea is too stupid. Except original ideas. Yeah, Damn. Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Anyway, next week, things of actual interest are coming out. We have Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Which every time I see anything about that movie, just in my head, I just start repeating just the mantra, just please be good. Please be good. <laughs> Who's directing that one? Uh, Patty Jenkins, I believe. Gotta look this one up. Sir, Patty Jenkins, uh, she directed Monster. That Charlize Theron, Christina Ritchie movie. From 14 years ago. Yup. And that's it. Uh, no, she directed a How couple episodes Monster of Entourage, Jones. apparently. Wow. Huh, apparently it's got an 80% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. And The Killing. Worked on that a bit. Wow, what a incredibly successful movie I've never heard of. Budget eight million, box office sixty million. Yeah. And for two thousand three, that's pretty impressive. Um <sighs> And then I'm not gonna see it personally, but I I yes, there's I'm gonna see good. it because I kinda need to. I'm a big Wonder Woman fan and I Nerd! I know, yeah, but I, I just need to. Alert. I need to. Anyway, and then also coming out next week is... I'm going to read the full title, because... Yeah. Go for it. Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. I pray the only epic movie. It seems like fun. It seems like a really charming adaptation. I'm not great. I'm not really keen on the voice actors for the kids because they don't fucking sound like kids. No, they do not. But I also but I also hate child voice actors and child actors. So there's kind of some conflicted they could have feelings hi- there, they could have hired overall, like you know they could have hired like you know actual voice actors. Yeah, there's also that. But we need names. Uh, we, we we need names of actors in pop culture. Motherfucker, icons. there are tons of voice actors who are fucking known. That would have actually uh, would have, they would have actually sold this movie more than Kevin fucking Hart. Don't say his name. That's a cursed name. <laughs> like, like looking at the act, like looking at the, the fucking is, voice I, cast of this. He's not Chris Rock tier, but he's almost there. 
I was super positive about this movie when I saw the first trailer because I was like, it's Captain Underpants. Even if they go incredibly stupid, it's going to be okay because that's what Captain Underpants is. Oh, and honey. And they kept showing trailers to me. Oh, honey. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Looking at this, and now I'm just depressed by the very concept of seeing this film. Looking at this fucking cast, I know I'm going to get dragged to it. Looking at this fucking cast, the only like uh, actor who seems to be like of any kind of voice acting fucking clout is Kristen Schaal. Eh, even that, I'm not wildly excited over that. Like, I'm not excited. It's just of the fucking like the voice acting talent in this movie. She seems to be the only one that has a lot of experience in you know voice acting. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as the voice director is doing his job right, it could be good. Maybe. It's directed Probably by... Not. It's being directed by the storyboard artist for The Road to El Dorado, Chicken Run, and Shrek. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I was about to say, I really like The Road to El Dorado. Chicken Run was wildly entertaining. And the first Shrek, well, I mean, it's popular for a reason. I love all of those movies uh, and own them all. Keep in mind, I said storyboard artist. Yeah, but not still voice positive director. credits. Positive no. credits. Yeah, looking at it, uh, this will be his first directing job. Oh, no, wait, sorry. No, he was um, also the... Uh, from the looks of it, he was also the uh, director on Madly Madagascar, the Valentine's Day short starring the characters from the Madagascar film series. And uh, and Mary Madagascar, the Christmas special, starring the characters of the Madagascar film franchise. That wasn't so bad, but still. Uh, um, yeah. I see it being charming. Oh wait, and sorry. And at the Falling. same time, I, I just I just saw this. He also directed Turbo, the DreamWorks movie about a really fast snail that no one watched. Apparently, some did what some watched it because it made fucking two hundred eighty million dollars back on a one hundred twenty-seven million dollar budget. I, I see this being charming in some aspects, but I also see them trying to really DreamWorks it, like this screenshot. Well, it is a DreamWorks movie. Like stuff like this is what worries me. Yeah. It's like any hope I'm getting is kind of being shot down Locked. by seeing things like that. Yeah, better word. I guess we'll see when it eventually comes out on some kind of medium where we don't have to pay too much money for it or leave our houses. This yeah, probably, at, the, at the end of the day, it's, well, we'll see. This will probably wind up on Hulu. Feels like a Hulu movie. So that's going to do it for this week, everybody. Thank y'all for joining us. And thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the family cap. Yay! We'll be back. Glad to have you with us. We will be back in two weeks' time with an episode of the DestroProds.com Movies Television Podcast. In between now and then, we're going to be having our regular run of news, maybe reviews, podcasts, all kinds of bullshit. But until then, I'm dead. I'm Cave. And I'm Cap. We will see you guys next time. 